Pavo is a professional development platform designed to meet learners where they are by providing engaging learning experiences, peer learning opportunities, and coaching. We don't just teach you new concepts, we help you apply those concepts in your day-to-day work life. Welcome to Kavu's 16th Minute Podcast. I'm Rebecca Dobrinsky, the product owner for Kavu's content team and the host of the 16th Minute. At Kavu, we use the term 16th Minute for topics that come up during our 15-minute daily scrum but need more of a discussion. It's a great way to let your team know that you need a bit more clarification on something you're working on or simply need some time to talk through an idea. Let's get this episode 16th minute started. Today we're joined once again by Kavu CEO Chris Sims, who will be chatting about refinement and why this unofficial event of Scrum is so important. As you may know, Chris is the CEO and co-founder of Kavu and a co-founder of Sagayo Studios. And as one of 18 Scrum Fellows in the world, Chris has supported and led agile transformations in a variety of organizations, ranging from small startups to some of the world's largest Fortune 100 companies. In this episode of the 16th Minute, we are welcoming back our CEO, Chris Sims. And one of the things that we've been talking about a lot in uh, Kavu and in our teams is refinement. So we wanted to have a quick discussion with Chris about what should happen during refinement. Rebecca, glad to be back. And this is definitely a question that comes up a lot uh, in my coaching, product owner coaching, that always like, what is the, how do we do good refinement? What does good refinement look like? And um, it was interesting. So refinement is not one of the events in the Scrum Guide. It is barely mentioned in the Scrum Guide. Uh, which I think is actually a little bit of disservice to teams. One of the things that I see consistently when I go in and I look at teams that aren't performing is I can almost always trace that root cause back to really, really crappy refinement. Uh, crappy refinement is that you get things into the sprint and then Godzilla pops behind out from every single rock that you're looking at. And all of a sudden things that you think are gonna be really easy become monumentally complex. And it's because you didn't spend enough time refining in the right ways. And it's not as much not enough time refining. A lot of teams will spend lots and lots of times in refinement, but they're, they deep dive, they immediately get into answering how things are going to be done, trying to really get to the core of very specific problems, and they don't understand the problem that they're trying to solve, why the world's going to be better. So refinement is anything that we do to make big ideas small. Uh, and I always do, the, I've got my sign language, a big idea is small, that's something that, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see that, but you make a big, make big can, big circle, and then you make it a little bit smaller. That's the idea of taking uh, anything that we do, any activity that we do to break down big ideas into small ideas is refinement. So it starts all the way at the largest, most, unspecific view of what refinement might be, and that is your product vision. Why does your product exist? Of all the things that you could possibly do in all of uh, all of existence, getting it to, this is our vision for why we exist as a company, as a product, is the first step in refinement. You've got to give yourself a North Star that you're guiding to. And once you have that North Star, that vision statement, then you can break that vision statement down into specific goals that you want to achieve over a certain time period. Sometimes we like to use objectives and key results. That's a phenomenal way to say, all right, this is my vision. This is where I'm going. 
this is where I want to achieve the year. And then every 90 days, let's begin to break down, again, that really big idea into a little bit smaller and build out OKRs. It's a lot of great ways to do that, but I highly encourage you to do that first. Okay, so for teams that are wondering, where does that product vision come from? So that's, that's a really good question, Rebecca. Vision starts, it is the highest level of refinement companies. It will typically come from a founder, from a CEO, from senior product leaders in an organization. And it says, this is, this is why we exist and this is the goal. What's going to be different about the world in a year and two years and five years because we exist? And that's going to come from the leadership in your organization. And then each team is going to get their part of that vision. And they're part of that vision, the product owner. I really want to see the product owner refining and understanding what it is. And then once you have that vision, this is why we exist. And this is our goal. This is what we're going to achieve for the next 12 months. You want to break that down a little bit smaller, maybe into a 90-month or 90-day or three-month cycle. And we love to use OKRs, objectives and key results for that. It's just a powerful tool to be able to give focus and direction to your teams. Now, once you have those 90-day goals, there's a lot of things that you can be building off of that. Now, notice I haven't started with what's the thing we're going to go build. One of the fatal flaws that I see teams do is they come to us and they're going to go build a thing. They're focused on output. Hey, let's go build this uh, app. This app's going to be great. We're going to build the app and make a billion dollars off of it. And the reality is most ideas, most apps suck and shouldn't be built. And so instead of outputs, which outputs let you build things that don't necessarily have value, we want to focus on outcomes. What are the benefits? How have you made the world better? And OKRs are a really good way to communicate those, uh, how the world's going to be better because you exist kinds of things. Uh, what are the big rocks we're moving and how are we going to get there? Once you understand that, you understand the problems you're solving. In refinement, you're going to bring the human beings who have the problems into the room with the developers. When I say developers, I mean team members, people on the Scrum team that are going to solve the problem. You bring them together and you say, hey, person with the problem, describe your problem, communicate, understand, help us understand what that problem is. Team. Think about ways that you could solve this and let's create some product backlog items and acceptance criteria that are going to help us know that we've solved that problem. By focusing on problems, we, we are able to quick more, much more quickly get a team to building value than if you're trying to build a thing. So typically teams like to get, you know, especially teams that maybe have business analysts or people that more business analysts that we've now waited magic long we call a product owner. We get those people in a room and now they're going to go build this thing. You know, they're going to break this thing down. They're going to get very specific requirements. And I really don't want to see my teams doing that. Instead, I really want them focused on problems and more importantly, getting humans together. The way we create value in this world is one group of people, this Scrum team, solves problems experienced by another set of humans. Every single team that creates value on the face of this planet that has ever existed has created value by solving problems, not by building stuff. So who, who should be in a refinement session? So it, it could change based on what you're trying to achieve, what the outcomes that are objectives of that refinement are. So let's say you're doing large-scale vision setting. You might not want a lot of 
stakeholders or customers in the room, you might want your senior leadership and some market researchers and, and your team in the room with that. So when you're looking at those larger kind of OKRs, get those set. They definitely aren't made in uh, a vacuum chamber, chamber. You definitely want the people that are creating those OKRs to be have experience with the humans, but you don't necessarily want a lot of people in the room to do that. It's just going to get too complex to manage. But let's say we're focused on building out and understanding and refining a single PDI, product backlog item. Then you might want to get the people that most are closest to the problem to be in the room, along with the team. Your team needs to be there. Doesn't mean that every single person on your team will be at every single refinement session. You, you can use some good sense there. But the more representation you have on your cross-functional team, the more effective you're going to be at guiding and getting to the refinement. Now, when you're getting that level of refinement, please make sure you're not trying to get too detailed. Don't solve the problem in the room. That's going to be something that's really tricky. Great product owners are going to identify when that's happening and be able to rein that back in and rein it back in in a way that doesn't uh, stomp on the team's ability to uh, have a good conversation. So something I see a lot of product owners do or, or even scrum masters, hey, we've reached our time box or that's too deep. Let's stop talking about that. And then the whole room derails. Instead, what you want to be doing is guiding the room. Hey, y'all, we're, we're at a good time box. Um, I'm going to let you go a little more. Seems like this conversation is important. I'm going to let it go a little bit longer. And then in a minute or two, uh, we'll pause. Or, hey, y'all, I think we're getting a little too deep. Let's take the deep, can we put that on pause for just a little bit? We can come back to it. Let's come back up and understand a different part of this problem, but do it in a very gentle way so you're not jarring your team. I think I'm answering a lot more of your questions, but looking for the next one. No, no, no. This is this is really, really good because I think we get um we get in the weeds when we're focusing on some of the scrum events or the unofficial scrum events like refi refinement is. Uh, but one of the important parts, and it's a concept that you already mentioned once, is acceptance criteria. Let's uh, open up a little bit about bleh, acceptance criteria, the joy of recording. Uh, but yes, uh, we'll talk about acceptance criteria and who sets that and where does that come from? So acceptance criteria, it, so acceptance criteria goes hand in hand with the definition of done. Uh, and they can't be in isolation of each other. So your definition of done is a checklist that you're, typically your executive action team and your executive metascrum, your product owner teams in a large organization, the group of people that are saying, this is how we're going to work as a company. We'll say, this is our definition of done. And a definition of done, when anyone says done, everyone knows what it means. So when I go get a steak, I wanted medium, medium rare, medium to medium rare, right in there. My, my mom, she wants it charcoal. I had a friend that she wants it mooing when you, you touch that state. <laughs> we all need to have a shared common understanding of done or else someone's going to be really, really upset because they'll say that done word. Uh, my favorite is it's done it, uh, in a developer will mean it works on my computer, but it might not work on your computer. Uh, it's not done. It's not done until it works everywhere. So have a clear set of, and it's a checklist. Things such as if you're building an app, a software development project, your checklist might be you have 100% test coverage, you have full automated tests, you have deployed, written the deployment script, it is deployed in the testing environment, all the tests give you green lights, you have created any documentation for the help files that need to go there, 
And then you passed off some information to marketing so that marketing can pick up and do the things that marketing needs to do. That might be the definition of done for a software development project. Let's say you're a, at a restaurant. Definition done for a restaurant might mean the check has been paid, the tables have been cleaned, the new tablecloths have been put on or good, nice, clean table. Uh, all the new silverware is back on the table and we're totally ready to turn the table over and get the next group in. That definition done should be set by your leaders, acceptance criteria are at the PBI level. Looks like you have another question though. Yeah, it was that whole, you talked about setting certain acceptance criteria and definition of done and who does that. So when you're looking at this definition of done, who sets that? The definition of done should be set typically by the typically leadership in the organization. The product owner team is going to work very closely with your scrum masters. Your team members, your developers should have input into it. But the definition done, you need an organizational definition done, and then each team can take that definition done and add to it, expand on it. Let's say you have a team that's focused on like a legal team, maybe their definition done is a little bit different than your marketing team, and that's okay. You can work through that. But have an organizational done so everyone knows what done means and then make small changes to it. Now, that's very different from acceptance criteria. So I want to pick just a little bit and go back to acceptance criteria. Definition okay. done applies to every single product backlog item that you do. It is a set standard across all of that. Acceptance criteria is something that happens at the product backlog item level. And it's a set of scenarios or conditions or test conditions that you can say, hey, I know that we've done, we've solved this product backlog item, we solved this problem because we see these things in this acceptance criteria are true. So an example of acceptance criteria, I worked on a large application for food assistance for the state of Alabama. Part of the thing that we would do, we would create, let's say we're going to do an income uh, verification piece. So the income verification piece might have acceptance criteria that looks like we've accepted all forms of income. We process the income to make sure that we've added all the right income together. And this is the way the formula uh, knows it's true and that our users say they can do it easily. And that might be the product back, that might be the acceptance criteria on that product backlog item. On top of that, we would add a definition of done. And that definition of done might add things like all the tests are written, it has been translated to Spanish and Laotian. That was something we had to do in the state of Alabama. And it has been put in front of at least five people to use it. And they all say that they can use it successfully. So those things really stack on top of each other and work together to know, make sure that you're building product that's actually valuable and usable and high quality. So the definition of done helps your team know what their acceptance criteria is? Not as much that. Uh, acceptance okay. criteria is that comes from refinement. It is built as you're refining together. So the product owner and developers will work together to create that acceptance criteria. The definition of done is, is an additional set of things that lets everyone know the work has been completed or it is done. And so it's really on top of acceptance criteria. It, it interacts only that it stacks on top of acceptance criteria. It doesn't really drive back and forth the acceptance criteria and definition done. They don't really interact that way other than for every single product backlog item, we have to meet all of the acceptance criteria and all of the definition of the done criteria. 
I think that's really good on that because I know I've had discussions with folks that it's like, well, if our acceptance criteria is here, well, that's our definition of done and we don't need a separate definition of done. And I think there's um, there can be some confusion, especially for those early in their career. And I think sometimes even some of us get a little complacent on that too. So when when you see that complacency or that confusion, which I think they kind of go hand in hand, because you'll get new developers or new team members who have that confusion coming into a team that has a little bit of complacency on it too. So how do you coach through that kind of scenario? Uh, so in small teams, you tend not to run into this, like small organizations, maybe it's a single scrum team, because everyone's everyone is there and there's their part of creating done. So there's a shared understanding that's there. Where we start to see not having a good definition done become a problem is when you start seeing it in larger organizations where one team says it's done and another team might act on that. But then, so maybe one team says it's done or done for them and it, it works on their computer and they deployed it to their local uh, dev testing environment. And then another team hears them say it's done and they're depending on that work. Well, they go out to their uh, production environment to pull that code down to use it or interact with it and they don't have it. And so now team two or team B is spinning their wills because they thought work was done on team A, but it's not actually done. And those are the situations when I see that, uh, it's, it, it, and it comes up in the inspect and adapt cycle. So in retrospective, one team starts, in, it might be team B getting really, really upset. Hey, you bunch of poopy heads over in team A, you said it was done and you, we spun our wheels for hours and found out it wasn't done. You'll see things like that. Yeah, people getting frustrated. The whole organization's slowing down. When you do that in inspect and adapt cycle, you'll adapt, you realize, hey, we have this tool, this pattern over here that we can do. We can go implement the shared definition of done and roll that out uh, and build better acceptance criteria. And working through those situations, typically I let, uh, it, it's kind of like kids growing up. You know, your mom can tell you, don't touch, you know, I, I remember uh, my grandmother would make the best biscuits. She'd pull them out of the oven and I'd always want to reach for one. And I always be told no. And finally, let me reach for that one just out of the oven and burn my hands. Not bad, but enough that I had a little bit of pain. Well, I didn't reach next time. I let it cool down. Sometimes being a good leader means you have to let your teams burn their hands just a little bit. So let them, they don't want to do it at first. Cool. Don't push it. When they start having problems, because they will have problems when you're dealing with multiple teams, then you can back up and add that. And then everyone's going to be on the same page. Because all of a sudden, you're going to feel like they'll treat you like the miracle worker because you had this great, wonderful idea. It's, like, it's, it's not a great one. It's been around a while. We've known to do this, but we're going to go do it anyway. And it'll be good. All right. Awesome. Well, what is your, we're going to wrap up. What is your one final piece of wisdom for teams working on refinement? Don't skimp on refinement. You're probably not refining enough. And the way you're going to know you're not refining enough is when your teams are slowing down, not moving as fast, or maybe Godzilla's are popping behind out from a lot of rocks and things are going bad. Please take time to refine and constantly be inspecting and adapting on how much you do. Excellent. Thank you so much, Chris. I really enjoyed this chat about refinement. And I hope our listeners did as well. So we look forward to having you next time because I'm sure 
you're going to be a frequent flyer on the 16th Minute Podcast. Uh, again, Chris, thanks so much for being here, and we will see you all next time. Thank you very much. The 16th Minute is brought to you by our sponsor, Sagayo. Start your technology journey and transform your business with Sagayo's innovative business technology services. Visit sagayo.io today. This episode of the Kavu 16th Minute is brought to you by Kavu Benefit Corporation. The 16th Minute is hosted by Rebecca Dobrinsky and is produced by Melissa Blanchard. Audio production is done by Sam Dunn. The logo was created by Melissa Crochet and our resident scrum master, Matteo Antello, keeps us all in line so we can bring you these episodes.